Hi, this is Jonathan Marks, and welcome to the On Your Marks Book Review Podcast. So this is it, the final podcast for 2022 on the final day of the year, my 52nd book. I must be honest, it's with something of a heavy heart that I look back on the year just gone, marked each week by a book and a podcast. I started the year reading 4,000 Weeks by Oliver Berkman, and as I shared in January, it was sobering to know how little time we have on earth how much we have to live for and how we have to live with such purpose and passion as time does go by so very fast. Marking each of the weeks of 2022 with a book read was a special way to track and trace the year. While at times they blended a little one into another given the relentlessness of the pace, it was such a gift to myself and I dearly hope to others to read and share what I'd read. Many people have asked me if it was a burden and would I do it again? To the first question, at times yes, especially as my teaching work got busy, but I'm glad I made the public commitment at the start of the year, as in the end you all held me accountable to my word. As to doing it again, absolutely. As I've already shared, 2023 sees my 52 in 52 continue, although in a slightly different format, a little bit of which I'll share at the end of this podcast. As I cast my eye over the bookshelf at the row and a bit of 2022 books that I've read, I must be honest, I feel a deep sense of accomplishment. Not that I don't read anywhere, I would normally read this amount of books each year, but the discipline of reading, reviewing and sharing feels like something to be proud of. I think I'll be allowing myself a gentle pat on the back and a definite cheers to 2022 before this day is done. And so from ancient Rome to the fast pace of Silicon Valley, from poetry to precision engineering, and from Brazil to Israel, this year has led me around the globe and into some fascinating minds, people, ideas and stories. I dearly hope that you have found value and in some small way that I've added to your learning for 2022. The book for this week, Lila, An Inquiry into Morals, was one I was looking forward to read. It came to me from my favourite second-hand bookseller in Cape Town, a young man who sells magnificently selected books on the pavement outside Olympia Cafe in Cork Bay. When the weather permits, Ruach is there beside the telecom switchbox with his books displayed on the low concrete wall, each carefully chosen and neatly tied with a small piece of wool, each priced the same, 100 rand. Since living in the area some time ago, he and I have a small tradition – I buy us a coffee at the cafe nearby and browse the selection available that week, chatting books and authors with him. He knows what I like by now and usually has a few recommendations of books that I might not come across, and Lila was one of those books. I read the prequel to the book Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance in 1991. I still have my dog-eared copy, a cheap pink second-hand reprint of the book bought at the time. The book so inspired me that later that year I left my work in Cape Town and with an old friend cycled across America, trying to have my own trip similar to that undertaken by author Robert Persig and his son in the book. The book and the narrative never left me, and when Ruach suggested Lila, telling me that Persig had suggested that this was by far his best book, I grabbed it and have been waiting for the moment to do it justice. My realisation just three pages into the book, though, was that this weekly review would never do this book justice. This book needs time, slow and gentle reading. I think I would need to dedicate a year to re-reading Zen and then Lila. These are deeply philosophical works and need large amounts of kairos time. 
And so, gentle listeners, my review of Lila will just have to wait for another time. But my goal was 52 books, and so I thought, why not add in a review of my fiction holiday read instead, Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens. I saw the movie a while back. What a beautiful bit of cinema. But thought I would read the book as well, and on the recommendation of a dear friend, I picked it up. This is my first fiction review, and I want to make sure I don't spoil the story for those keen to read this book, so forgive me if I'm a little vague and cryptic at times. Delia Owens is a naturalist, and this is her first work of fiction. Her previous books, all non-fiction, are about her work as a wildlife scientist in Africa, even though she lives in the US. Interestingly, though, she has located the Crawdads book in North Carolina, and I'm guessing it's an area she knows well anyway. The book is well written and wonderful to read. The language is rich and beautiful, and the descriptions of nature, which are obviously well within a wheelhouse, are absolutely exquisite. The book is multiple stories in one. It starts with the discovery of a body in the marshland near a small fishing community, and the book then switches back and forth between the investigation into the death of this young man, Chase Andrews, and the life of our protagonist, Kaya, and her ragtag family, who live in a shack in the marsh. The time frames are slightly different. The discovery of the body happens in 1969, but the family story begins 17 years earlier. And as the book progresses, these two timelines get closer and closer and eventually converge. Mind you, this is no mindless murder mystery. The usual treatment of murder stories seem to have been avoided in this book. And in some ways, the investigation remains as a backdrop that pulls the reader back into the here and now from the wonderful narrative and description of nature. Kaya carves a life for herself in the marsh, not by choice, but as a result of the horrors of living within a dysfunctional family and with a wildly abusive alcoholic father. She has no education, but a kind and gentle friend, Tate, teaches her to read and write, and he becomes a wise, trusted, and eventually loving friend. Kaya has a deep fascination with the marsh, and from a young age becomes a collector of shells, feathers, seeds, and the myriad things that make this marshland so unique and wondrous. Without knowing it, she is becoming a naturalist, just like the author who has given her life. The book tracks her progress from marsh girl, the derogatory term used by the town folk to refer to her on her various trips into the local store, to the marsh expert, a highly respected and widely published author on the life of marshes in the southeastern United States. Her experiences of life, of people, her sexual awakening and social interactions are all measured against what she sees and learns from nature. Her entanglement with Chase, the young man lying dead in the opening pages of the book, results in her being charged with his murder. This was an abusive love relationship, the well-to-do townie taking advantage of the unsophisticated country marsh girl. She so wants to believe and trust in this handsome young boy, given all she's endured through her life. But we know as we read the book that this will end poorly for her, and of course, as we know, for Chase. The book also exposes the racial prejudice of the time, especially in that part of the US. Funnily enough, though, she finds friendship and support from Jumpin', the African-American man who owns the local bait station and fuel depot. The man who, despite the barriers of race and colour, shows Kaya kindness and fatherly love and support. The book is peppered with poetry, evocative of her life, her journey and her growth, and the wondrous nature around her, and I found these moments in the book time to pause, to slow down, even to stop, and to read slowly and quietly, 
As the descriptions of the Marsha shared, I felt myself being pulled into that environment, allowing me to be there and to find a slower time and pace away from my day-to-day life. I'll leave the ending for you to discover, either the book or the movie if you prefer. It's absolutely well worth it. And I think this book in many ways was a lovely follow-on from my read of David Attenborough's book, Around the Environment and Around Nature, and I hope that this is the first of many works of fiction that I get to share in the year ahead. And so to 2023. My goal is once again to read 52 books in 52 weeks, although these will come by way of a monthly podcast, a kind of mixtape of three to five books read in that month. I'll be abandoning the infographic, but will include useful links in the podcast show notes. I also plan to theme each month, just loosely linking books together around some kind of grand narrative, and will include at least one work of fiction each month. I'll be recording a brief overview of the books read, sort of around three to five minutes, and this will remain free for all. And then a much longer 20 to 30 minute podcast will be behind a paywall, I will endeavour to make these longer podcasts rich and meaningful with, where possible, author interviews and other interesting content. And I sincerely hope that you'll be able to support my ongoing work by signing up in the new year. And so all that's left for me is to wish you and yours everything of the best for 2023. As T.S. Eliot once wrote, For last year's words belong to last year's language, and next year's words await another voice. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for all of your support, and I look forward to sharing more reviews in the year ahead.